Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Yeah, how you doing? Welcome back, I said to myself. Uh, I was out yesterday having a stress test. Those are fun. Anyway, uh, it's August 3rd. By the way, I passed with flying colors. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was told I my performance was equivalent to the average 47-year-old female. And I assure you, I am nowhere near 47 years old, so that was that was all good news. <laughs> God. Anyway, um, so it looks like, yeah, I'm going to be around for a while. At least uh, my heart seems to be functioning okay. Uh, you know, you got to keep checking, especially in these times when, as I say, I feel like the stress, the other kind of stress, is uh, is is making us all a little less healthy, without a doubt. So, I think last time I talked to you, I was um, alerting you to this uh, new um, new group, uh, Trump supporting group called QAnon who have now surfaced at his rallies, like the one he gave in Wilkes-Barre. How do you pronounce that? Is it Wilkes-Barre? Wilkes-Barre. There's a lot of names in this state that I'm just not sure of. Okay, that river is another one. Schoolkill. What the hell kind of a... I suppose is that Dutch? Why is that such a bizarre spell? I could no more spell that, and I consider myself a good speller. School kill. Um, at any rate, uh, yeah. So now there's this new crowd, and you probably heard about it because something new like that pops up. And uh, in fact, the Washington Post today had no fewer than two stories on QAnon, and I, I read both, trying to get a little bit more of a, a fix <laughs> on who this particular group of loonies uh, happens to be. And I have to tell you, this story by Molly Roberts in the Washington Post did nothing but further confuse the heck out of me. Um, I, I just want to... Um, <laughs> I mean, these people take conspiracy theory, theory and ratchet it up to make... I mean, it, it like makes Infowars look like uh, the the Washington Post. I, you see, there is no bottom to how low uh, some Americans will go, which is such an undesired, unwanted, but uh, is here lesson in in human psychology that we are learning. Wow. <laughs> really? I mean, I, 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 I've been living all these many decades with an absolutely naive sense of who the other people wandering around the city were with you know what I mean I mean I, how these people seem normal they're 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 like in fact they're you know your insurance salesman uh, the person who waited on you in the store the um, your your plumber they're maybe even your lawyer your CPA or I mean these are they're all over the place and they're stark raving mad I I think I think I know I right about that jeez it, it okay so here's what part of what molly roberts in today's washington post tries to explain to uh her readers uh who the hell these q anon people are who are now uh, front and center uh in support of donald trump their big thing is is the storm is coming you know, the minute I heard that, I think stormtroopers. She doesn't say that, but I do. 
they glommed on to when uh, at one point somewhere, sometime, Trump said, uh, after the calm, the storm is coming. And they grabbed onto that like he'd come down like Moses from the mount holding a tablet. Okay, so that's it. The storm is coming. And then they just go on to make up an entire, it's just mind boggling Okay. Uh, she says this, the simplest description of the plot line that these guys buy into is this. Try to follow, I mean, I consider myself a relatively intelligent human being, and I literally can't follow this. <laughs> okay, listen up. President Trump is not under investigation. He's only pretending to be under investigation because this is part of a counter-coup to restore power to the people after more than a century of the power being controlled by a globalist, read Jew, cabal, most of whom, it turns out, are also pedophiles. So, in QAnon scenario, Robert Mueller is actually in cahoots with Donald Trump. And there's this shadowy figure, the Wizard of Oz, who they named Q. Q, Anon, this anonymous Q, who supposedly possesses Q-level security clearance, which <laughs> doesn't exist. And he puts out these little you know, I mentioned this before, crumbs, that we, the QAnon people, are supposed to take and bake into what he's trying to tell us. And because Q is the 17th letter <laughs> in the alphabet, and 17 is also a number that Trump has said. He has said the word 17 a few times. 17 apparently is one of those numbers that is also meaningful to racists and neo-Nazis. I don't even know why. So Q is the 17th letter of the alphabet. And these people think that he is he's either been chosen by Q or he is Q. Some people think he is Q and along with Stephen Miller and Kelly and Conway. I, I mean, okay. Uh, what else does she tell us here? I mean, so some of these people that are now out there and who believe this stuff, as as you know, I I, I think I mentioned that uh, there was some Q guy uh, wandering around outside um, Stormy Daniels, Michael Avenetti's uh, uh, office. Because Q, he said, sent him there. That's what he made out of the crumbs. And then, I guess it was a month or so ago, and now we understand this a little, there was a man who uh, blocked a bridge near the Hoover Dam. Do you have any recollection of that? There was a guy who was driving an armored truck who blocked a bridge uh, near the Hoover Dam and he was demanding the release of a report that Q 
claim that the government was withholding. This guy was armed. He had uh, guns on him. And um, other QAnon folks have been found in the desert outside Tucson, Arizona, searching for the child sex camps that uh, Q uh, people believe are are there being run by Hillary Clinton and George Soros. <laughs> now, again, this this stuff would be funny, right, if it wasn't telling us that this stuff we used to think was funny, that people would believe such thing, is really being bought into by a lot of people who otherwise appear to be normal human beings. Uh, one of the other stories the Post did today was uh, it interviewed a guy who in every way seems like a normal human being who's totally buys into this. Totally. Um, Molly, whatever her name is, who did this story, Molly Roberts, trying to make sense of it. Like, how the hell can people buy into this? And what would have been, like, considered, oh, my, those wackadoodles over there are so far off the, you know, the radar. Pay them no mind. But now they're front and center at... Now, this is all, again, I think stuff we shouldn't pay a lot of attention to because this cannot be the lion's share of uh, the folks we need. It, 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 this is one of those things that the media chase because it's so outrageous and in some respects entertaining. And I had said I was going to stop chasing these things, but I, I have to admit, I find this just so baffling and fascinating on some level and terrifying on another that that people are so much more inclined and capable of buying into absolute craziness than I ever assumed. Um and she's trying to figure out, and she says, she says what's scariest of all might be what motivates these people to believe in so Byzantine a conspiracy. You know, imagine believing that Trump is not really under investigation, Mueller is not really investigating. All right, right, just imagine that, okay, that you believe that. And and she says, you know, these this QAnon is not your average story of uh, people who feel like something's going on and they have no control and blah, blah, blah. Because she said what's weird now is that their heroes, the QAnon folks, their heroes are already, they are in charge. Last time I looked, Trump and the other people they think it might constitute Q are in charge. So she said, so why would people who think their people are already in charge still see themselves as somehow victims? Uh and and it shows how I guess how needy these people are to see themselves that way, even when they won, even when they have a absolutely submissive Congress, this wackadoodle of theirs in the White House, and uh, the Supreme Court about to be... Uh, part and parcel of uh, 
of their side for the next uh, 40 years, um, they still are acting like they're under a huge threat. And she says, you know, Trumpism has always been about feeling insecure. Uh, and Trump, from day one, played on paranoia um, about Americans losing the country, of immigrants, of, uh, of uh, government, of uh, supposedly our allies playing us, of, uh, of being told our, you know, some countries like Russia are our enemies when in fact they're really not. Um, very odd. And I suppose books will be written um, about what can make people this nuts. And she ends this way. The storm that QAnon uh, truthers predict will will come, will never come, because, of course, the conspiracy that obsesses them does not exist. But while they wait for it, they will whip up the winds, and the rest of us are going to have to find shelter. QAnon is scary, she says, because it's getting bigger. It's scary because we don't know how to stop it. Because how do you stop something that isn't real? And it's scary because the people behind it and who believe it and all of that will never stop because it is impossible to satisfy them because they've bought into a total fiction, which they will keep twisting to allow them to continue obsessing about their victimhood. I, so, I, all right, that's all I have to say about it. I mean, it is really mind-blowing. Um, people. <laughs> Clearly, Mind-blowing. Uh, Bob wants me to talk about the pirates. <laughs> Why? I mean, they're just going to... I mean, what? You think they're going somewhere? I don't. Well, here, I'll read his email. I don't know about you, but I hope you can please take a break from the real cruel world we're living in with uh, you-know-who uh, in charge and take in tonight's Pittsburgh Pirates contest against the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, thanks for the tip at PNC Park. Because the Pirates are sending our new pitcher to the mound, a guy named Chris Archer. He was just acquired from Tampa Bay and Bob's obviously very excited about this. Chris Archer is a extremely talented uh, pitcher. And something he says tells me you're going to be ending your shows by saying, Go Bucks again! <laughs> I don't know. With the super slight possibility of making the postseason. <laughs> With a wild card berth. You know, I looked today. Bob, I'm... I'm I, I looked today at the uh, at the standings, and I looked at the standings in all of the other, um, you know, not just the National League. Uh, I looked at the American League, and I looked at all the all the little groupings. And Pittsburgh, as it has now re, you know, come up from the bottom and gotten to the middle of the pack, literally, um, and a little bit over 500. I mean, at best, it's nice that they're not under 500 and all of that, um, but they are a mid middling team. They aren't one of the worst. There were plenty more that were much worse, uh, and they are definitely not. And God forbid they get into the playoffs. 
mean, they would just be, they would be destroyed. Right? I don't know. I, I, you know what? I, right now, there is some, I, I'm aware of them, and I am tracking them. Because, as I, as you said, you know, y you need some breaks from this real world that, you know, maybe we should all just go join QAnon because, I mean, that, then we don't have to deal with the real world anymore, which is, uh, you know, stressing us all out. <laughs> uh, of course, if I believed in the QAnon world, I think I'd even be more stressed out, wouldn't I? First of all, I would struggle just to keep up with whatever it was I was supposed to be believing. Uh, I, I don't know. But yeah, I note... I note the Pirates, thanks for telling me, reminding me that this will be Chris Archer's debut with us and against the the cards. Uh, the cards who ink themselves <laughs> these days, who are also a middling team, that's so rare. Um, our two bugaboos are, of course, Chicago and Milwaukee, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Bob, I, I appreciate that, I really do. Um... But, you know, there are important things that we need to keep our eyes on, nonetheless. For instance, vaginal rejuvenation. Now, I don't know if you're up on it, but if you aren't, then you're just off the grid, babe. Vaginal rejuvenation, it's become such a thing that the Federal Drug Administration has actually taken some action, issuing a warning to no fewer than seven different companies, all of whom are making lots of money supposedly rejuvenating women's vaginas. I probably shouldn't get so personal, but... Personally, I have not had my vagina rejuvenated. It's just the same old vagina I've had uh, all my life. Anyway, the FDA is saying that millions of women are falling for this crapola and all in their effort to what they think is to bring their vaginas back into their natural, the state it was meant to be in. I mean, my guess is, if you haven't done anything with your vagina, it is in the natural state, right? It's when you start screwing with it and sticking lasers up that you're um, now going into the unnatural. By the way, the FDA says all of this crap that women are spending money on now is just crap. There's absolutely no... Um, I'm just telling you this. So if, if God forbid, you any of you women, no one in my audience would fall for this shit, would they? But it turns out there are women who are losing sleep. Not about Donald Trump in the White House. Not about what's going to happen, those children in cages. No, they're losing sleep because they fear that their vagina does not meet the societal ideal of what a vagina should look like. Now, the Kardashians have rejuvenated their vaginas. Jada Pinkett Smith has rejuvenated hers. And she's very happy about it. Chloe Kardashian suggests if you don't want to go that route, then just slather your vagina with vitamin E oil. And Gwyneth Paltrow, who was on the cover of the New York Times magazine the other day, because, man, she's taken after P.T. Barnum, knowing an idiot is born every two seconds. And she is selling women more crap than you can imagine. And she famously sits with her exposed vagina over steaming kettles. And if Gwyneth Paltrow steams her vagina, well then, I don't know what's wrong with you if you're not doing that. 
And not only does she steam her vagina, but she also suggests in women who follow her, and there are tons of them. I learned by reading that article in the God Almighty. You also, women who believe Gwyneth, are sticking jade eggs up their vaginas. Now, I don't didn't know the jade laid eggs. <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about. What? It's apparently some jade made in an egg shape, and women stick it up their vaginas to God knows what. I guess rejuvenate them. I don't know. Ay, ay, ay. And the FDA and other sane, relatively sane human beings are trying to tell women, look, if your vagina smells like um, a field of lavender, then the odds are it is not a healthy vagina. Vaginas are meant to smell like vaginas! And the way you keep it in good shape is wash it with soap and water. That's it. And Gwyneth Paltrow's company called Goop, which is such a horrible word, sound for me, Goop. She sells all kinds of crapola. And she, the article said, named it Goop because all of the most successful internet companies had double O's in their name. And I thought, all right, Google, Facebook, Goop. There you go. And, and all she does is she's out there, like the QAnon crowd, peddling absolute fantasy crap and making money hand over fist, questioning science and instead offering all these alternatives to your better health. And so if you have not stuck a jade egg up your you-know-what, you are so not with it. I'm just saying. I mean, the same, these are the same people who have decided that our natural vaginas are somehow awful, which is why women now, under the age of 35 or 40, or even younger, they ha they've shaved their vaginas. They now look like 12-year-old girls or 10-year-old girls, which, talking about pedophilia, suggests that a whole bunch of men really would rather make love to little girls than women. What a wild! I can't take much more. I really can't. Coming up on Monday, ladies and gents, this book, this author actually, Jean Marie Laskus, my friend and a hell of a writer, and um, this is the book that Barack Obama has been thrilled about. And it's called To Obama. I've talked about where this comes from before. Um, it's based on all the letters that people wrote him in uh, the tenure of his presidency. The letters are in here. His responses are in here. Um, and uh, it doesn't come out until um, uh, September. So this is a, it's called a, a, a galley. Um, boy, you read this and weep. Monday, don't miss it. Jean Marie will be here. Oh, I'm sorry. I have a caller. I was so into my vagina that I forgot. Hello, caller. Hey, Lynn. Yeah, there's a delay, and I did not want to, um, uh, this <laughs> your uh, take on the v vagina monologue story. Yeah. Hey, look, uh, my vagina is fine. <laughs> you know what? I'm looking into getting my anus bleached. Well, yeah, that's another thing. Why are I people... What is that about? Is That's racist, isn't it? Why Why would a white it's, anus it's, be... Tell me. Help me here. It's all about white power. That's yeah. right, because I'm... 
a jade egg. I have a hard-boiled egg up my ass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for the love of crack. Look, you know what, though? Um, um, I've read uh, some stuff about this QAnon thing. And yeah. the more I hear and the more I read about it and you talking about it today, it feels like I'm, I'm on some sort of acid trip. Exactly. It's so... And, okay, now, I don't understand. Should we blame this on the baby boomers for being uh, juvenile and living in fantasy worlds? Or do we just blame it on ignorant people that are just so rural that they can't put two and two together? I don't really know. Um, can we blame reality TV or the Kardashians on boomers or ignorant people? Because we people have always said since TV started, people have said, oh, it's the boob tube. Let's blame it on the boob tube. But I swear to God, people are just getting so dumb now. Or has it always been thus? It might have always been thus, but no, I think actually they're dumber. And um, and that is probably because of all of... Of what? <laughs> It's because of video games. No, but it, I mean, confirming my. No, but it's because of. I think if you stop and think about, it, remember, um, if you look at those letters, like ordinary like guys in the Civil War wrote to their families. These are mm-hmm. people who what went to a one-room school, and these letters mm-hmm. are friggin' eloquent and beautiful. But they didn't have television. They didn't have a lot of, you know, life was about working hard. You learn, School was strenuous and serious. And I think we, yeah, I think we got a nation full of, um, of fools, a lot of fools. Well, well, like you just said, they went to a one-room schoolhouse, and yet they were a million times more literate than any uh, 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 person of that age now that would, uh, I hate to say, that would even go fight in a war. Do we see letters like that from veterans? Yes, we do sometimes. But then we also see these veterans at the uh, KKK rallies uh, chanting USA, USA, USA. And you, so, okay, you know, me. Well, look. American comment that gets along. Look around the United States. Look at our culture. Our culture is cringeworthy it is have you seen the movie um uh sorry to bother you not yet no i would go see it i think uh, i was talking to a friend last night about it because i i I think it sort of falls apart at the end but boy it is when it's on for the first three quarters of it it is such a send-up sort of like it's just a send-up of our culture of our uh, consumer, capitalist, uh, stressful, only the, you know, rich are going to, you know, it's all about getting rich. Uh, It's all about screwing everybody you can. Um, It just is a total, total indictment. And you know what? It's very, it's hardly... We're getting beyond parody. I mean, in the in that movie, the biggest television show is a show that people go on and are beaten bloody. Now, how mm-hmm. really? How far away are we from that? You know, the audience is going nuts. Well, the, is it, you know, J- how, Japan has had shows like that. All yeah, the, 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 the Japanese have had shows like that actually on TV, and we have, you know, the MMA. Um, did you see the movie Get Out? Well, these two movies are being compared somewhat. Um, yes, uh-huh. yes. And I thought Get Out was brilliant. Well, I saw Get Out. I didn't see Star yet. Well, I, I, Get Out is a better movie. It's a much better movie. I don't mean to, but but I think Sorry is worth seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I can't wait. I take your recommendation. But also, you know, they say we are in the uh, age of peak TV. And as far as, like, movies and Netflix stuff, if you look, if you have half a brain, there's just amazing stuff out there. Scripted comedies and scripted movies oh, and gotcha. scripted TV shows. That are, there are so many great, great things out there. Right. But the people that, that, 
decide to, oh, I'm going to go on Reddit and hang out with QAnon people instead of watching a good content and well-written stuff, that just, you know, it just blows my mind. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's, you know, getting to know uh, your fellow American is uh, ha- has been a very sobering exercise. <laughs> it really yeah. has. It really has. Very scary. Yeah. Hey, I'm glad you passed your stress test. Was it the heart one where you have to run on the treadmill? Yeah. And do all that stuff? Yeah. Oh, have you I ever done that? I haven't done that in a while, and I swear to God, I am. Oh, I did it a while ago when I had a, uh, an anxiety attack, a panic attack, but I thought it was a heart attack, so they gave me a stress test. Uh-huh. But I swear to God, I almost died on the stretch. Yeah, well, you almost do. I mean, you've got to run around like Mick Jagger doing <laughs> a stadium tour on those. <laughs> well, they said what they expected for my age uh, range, and they, they expected me to give up. Um, I went almost twice as long as what they said. I And I am not wow. expected. And I got to tell you, cardiovascularly, I am not fit. So I, I don't know. I think it's just my competitiveness, you know, that made me. I was going to do it, <laughs> damn it. I was going to do it or die trying. more on time than those, because I thought they put, like, chemicals in your blood vessels. No, no, no. show up, like, where the blood vessels well, go. Or, well, no, they, they do. They put radioactive something in your, yeah. in your, and then, yeah, and then they take pictures of your heart before and after you've stressed it. And, um... If you can't do, if you if people who can't uh, manage to do a treadmill, there is a drug that they can uh, give them that makes their heart feel as if they're on a treadmill. So they 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 sure. sort of create cocaine. I yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I, I don't I know. I don't. Meth. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, look, we're all very proud of you that you're only 47 years old now. And yeah. You'll be around for a long time. I know. Even after the Internet dies, <laughs> we'll get your broadcast from some sort of satellite. That's right. <laughs> It'll just be me and the cockroaches. Yeah. I love it. Your, your 50-year-old body up there on a satellite. Okay, you. Oh, Always. Man, I love you so I, much. I love you, you care, too, Michael. Okay? Bye. Bye-bye. That's Michael from the punk band, right? Cynics. The Cynics. Um, did he mention somebody? I've just got a few quickies that I want to tell you. Uh, it has turned out that a Japanese, like Japanese medical schools have been tampering with the the scores of students applying for their medical schools and they've been tampering with them by lowering the scores of women who take the tests by 10 to 20 percent. So in Japan they have fewer female doctors than pretty much any place else. And it is because, now it has been uncovered, that the the policy has been that you don't let women in. (laughs) Uh, They do this because they say female students will eventually leave the profession to give birth. And so it only made sense to uh, get more men trained. They called it a system, I mean, a uh, necessary evil. Wow. And um, by the way, a widely uh, read study that was published last year found that patients treated by female physicians in the United States had significantly lower mortality rates and readmission rates than those cared for by male physicians. Just saying, I don't know what that's about, significantly lower mortality rates 
and readmission rates if their doctor was a female. So Japan, go ahead and keep keeping those women from being uh, doctors. And Japan, as you know, has an ex really needs a lot of doctors. They have an extremely old population, sort of like uh, whites in this country. Um, incredible. But that's, and that's all the Japanese are talking about today. Um, also, what else I got here for you? Did you see that the the Trump administration has actually argued in court in regard to the children still separated from their families, has actually seriously argued that the government shouldn't have to find these kids' parents who the government deported. The ACLU should. What? The ACLU caused this problem? The ACLU should fix it? Are you kidding me? Administration of it? You, you, you got to like think this is made up. This is almost as absurd as QAnon. Administration officials are arguing that it's the responsibility of the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, not the federal government, to find all the fathers and the mothers that they threw out of the country after they took their children. They actually wrote, I'm t this is the U.S., the Jeff Sessions Justice Department writing in a court filing yesterday said this, the ACLU should use its considerable resources, its network of advocacy groups, and information from the government to locate these parents. <laughs> I believe that the U.S. government might have more resources than the ACLU, which exists purely on contributions from people like you and me and has maybe 5% as many attorneys or 1.02% as much staff as the U.S. Can you imagine the gall You know, they can't find these parents because they threw them out. These are people that were running from their town because they feared for their lives, usually. And they were seeking asylum here. So they came, we took their children, then we threw them out. They don't go back to the place that they ran from, these now stateless, homeless people that we've deported, now grieving the loss of their child who they were trying to save, no one knows where they are. And they go into hiding. They're terrified of being found, often, by the people they were running from. So when you first, you know, I remember the first time I heard they said that the government might, you know, there might be hundreds of these kids, they never find their parents. Which makes, of course, all of us complicit in the most horrific kidnapping, uh, international child trafficking kidnapping scheme of all time. I don't know if that last part is true, but yeah, imagine. What the ACLU do it? Those bleeding hearts, if they want to find these kids' parents, let them find it. Um, 
obit of the day. Michael Shaheen, excuse me, Michael Sheehan. Just another derivation of the same Irish name. Michael Sheehan uh, died too young, 63 years old. But as often the case when somebody, you know, seemingly dies young and gets their obit in the New York Times, they still manage to make quite an imprint in their lives. This is a name we don't know, but this is the guy who, after serving as a Green Beret in the Army. He joined the State Department. And in 1998, he was named Chief of Counterterrorism. Okay? This would be in the Clinton administration. And Michael Sheehan was one of these guys who was just indefatigable. He was working it all the time. On fire, more than one person said of him. And so he gets this designation. Head of counterterrorism. And he starts digging around. What does the United States have to be worrying about here? And he very quickly saw the threat. Osama bin Laden. Al-Qaeda. And he starts raising alarms in the State Department everywhere he can, saying, hey guys, we have got to pressure the Afghanistans, Afghanistanis to uh, kick this guy out. Uh, we've got to pressure Pakistan, Saudi Arabia. Um, he had a whole list of the countries that were, in fact, uh, aiding and abetting Osama bin Laden. He sent a memo outlining the threat, outlining all the actions he said the State Department and the White House should take. And in the obit it says his plan, quote, landed with a resounding thud at the White House. He couldn't get anyone to take any interest in what he was saying. This was the Clinton administration. We have often talked about the fact of that memo that came to the George W. Bush administration. Warning, warning, attack by Al-Qaeda. Gotta pay attention and how that was ignored. But the Clinton administration ignored the same kind of warning much earlier. And he actually, he was dogged. That's all he was squawking about from 98 when he got the job until 9-11. And he actually was quoted as saying in the year 2000, a year before 9-11, he said, what is it going to take to get us to hit Al-Qaeda? Does Al-Qaeda have to attack the Pentagon? That's what Michael Sheehan asked. Less than a year before Al-Qaeda attacked the Pentagon. Someone who acknowledged how brilliant this guy was was uh, the then New York Police Commissioner Robert, uh, excuse me, Raymond Kelly. Um, and he hired him to create the New York Police Department's Counterterrorism Bureau. And it is widely believed all over the world. New York City's Counterterrorism Bureau. It is considered one of the world's elite terror-fighting units. 
more so than most governments of the world, and this was the creation of Michael Sheehan, who, if he'd been listened to, 9-11 would never have happened, and everything that has happened to this country since would not have happened because one of the other things we did was exactly what he said after 9-11 we should not do, and that was overreact, which of course is what we did. He was searing in his criticism of government action after 9-11 and the counterterrorism strategies. He wrote a book about it, and he said all it did was make Osama bin Laden smile because we played right into his hands. We did exactly what he wanted. This is a guy who's now dead, 63 years old, and he just was never really listened to except by the New York City Police Commissioner who, who gave him the wherewithal to create this, this great anti-terrorism force. He's the only person who will listen to him. Michael Sheehan. I remember, it probably was, and it probably was his memo or something, I remember when I worked at, uh, I was still working at WTAE, when 9-11 happened, I was no longer at WTAE Radio. So before 9-11, I, I remember sitting in that studio at WTAE and spending well over an hour warning my audience about this guy named Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda. The information was out there. People were making reports, writing memos, saying, hey, woo, hey, guys. And I, reading it, thought, shit. Yike, 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 yike. And I remember I was feeling very, and I was trying to get the audience to be aware. It's one thing for me to get no reaction to something that I remember very clearly, but for this poor guy to be so in the know and to have people, the president, the State Department, the security apparatus in our country, our intelligence agencies, absolutely not listen to him. I wonder who we're not listening to today. You know? Do you ever wonder that? Um, I just want to tell you about a very brave woman. Uh, she lives in a small Connecticut town called Haddam, H-A-D-D-A-M. Uh, her name is Melissa Schlag, and uh, she's always been a good citizen. I mean, believes in uh, paying attention and being part of the solution. And consequently, as a young woman, she actually uh, ran for um, uh, essentially the city council. I think it's called something else there, um, and and was elected. And the um, city council there uh, starts all of their meetings by standing and saying the Pledge of Allegiance. And she... After Trump, after Trump did his news conference in Helsinki, standing next to Putin, she decided that she needed to make a stand 
by kneeling. So when everybody in that little town, in that in town's, uh, you know, officials, and all the people stood up, she had the nerve. And it takes courage. I mean, I have said we should. We should not be forced at the baseball game, at football games, at anything. And we should, if you're not willing to kneel, just sit. But you know what? That takes incredible courage, and you know it does. And man, did she, she said she was verbally stoned. The intolerance and hate was palpable. As they said the pledge with her kneeling, when they saw her kneeling, they started, some people weren't saying the pledge anymore, they were booing her. And they were screaming, those who were saying the pledge were screaming it at her like a weapon, a weaponized pledge. Sort of like when crowds start that USA chant. It's always struck me as the most aggressive, belligerent. <laughs> you know, if this is somebody's idea of patriotism, again, it shows how stupid we have become. So I just think that this is one strong young woman. By the way, the uh, newspaper there, the Hartford Current, I don't know if, I guess it must, you know, it's not in Hartford. They published an editorial and uh, supported her which is pretty amazing, too, uh, calling her silent protest an act of bravery. And I would agree. And she has now said, I kneel out of extreme sorrow for my country. Um, as long as Donald Trump is the president, I will kneel. I will kneel for all the people and continue to fight for their rights. This is not the America I grew up in or the country we should be, but I will work every day to get us back to that place. Gutsy. Truly. Uh, I don't know. I got so much stuff here. I don't know what to do. Um, this is something I. This is from the science section of the Times, and on Tuesday when Susan was there for a little while, I wanted to wing it by her because of you know she has a dog. You guys who have dogs, do you like you know when you read those stories about dogs saving their owners, you know, getting help? There's some. Well, there was a pot-bellied pig who, for God's sakes, went and got help when their owner had had a heart attack or something. Stood in the road stopping a car. I mean, jeez, would your, you think your dog would save you? I mean, I know when you're sad, they can sense that sometimes, and they come up and sit beside you. But they actually did a scientific study. <laughs> I gotta tell you, don't expect that sweet animal who I know loves you unconditionally. I know. Do not expect that dog to save you. That's all I want to say. Uh, dogs do, most dogs show empathy, as I said, so they can tell when you're sad or, or something. But um, they did a study with dogs and their owners you know, and put the owner in a room and had the owner scream in, you know, help, help, really in distress. And they had the door uh, of the room just a little bit so any of the dogs could, like, you know, get in, push through it. And um, they also had some owners not scream help, but 
just hum twinkle twinkle little star ah <laughs> uh, well guys uh i just have to say um the dogs all almost every dog nosed into the room whether they were screaming help or twinkling twinkling little stars and um however if the owners were screaming or pretending they were crying the dogs uh generally responded more quickly than they did if uh, their owner was uh, humming twinkle twinkle little star but so when they got in to the room no matter what the person was doing they just sort of like you know sat there it's hardly like they're gonna just want to say despite if as a child you watch you know lassie or you know don't expect your dog to save you just saying oh so that's it guys i think i hate to be the bearer of bad tidings in that regard but uh, I think a pot-bellied pig might be your better uh, choice if you're looking for an animal companion. All right, that's it for me today, this week, as a matter of fact. Um, hate to tell you this, next week's a short week for me too. Three days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Got to leave on Thursday. Got to get to Green Bay. My mom's birthday. And we don't miss my mom's birthdays. Nobody misses my mom's birthday. This one's the 96th. And uh, I don't know. She, if she took a stress test today, would probably end up sort of, a, you know, like a 47-year-old woman, too. I have little doubt. Okay, guys, uh, see you Monday, I hope. Have a good weekend. Lynn Cullen Live. Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers. <laughs>